Hello there and welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode 3. We're on a roll with this. So today here I have got my good friend Jack Gad, otherwise known to some of you as Jack Gad Fitness. <laughs> and I'm sure for reasons that we will find out in this episode you know why Jack is sort of more relative to Jack Gad Fitness. But before I go on any more, I'm going to let Jack introduce himself and give you a bit more information um, about who who he is. So go ahead, Jack. All right, cheers, AJ. So as he's mentioned, I'm Jack Gad, um, competitive natural bodybuilder. Competed last year in the MPA qualifiers and the finals. Um, got very surprised with the placings I took, but very happy with sort of my overall performance last year. Um, and sort of really getting into the competitive side of bodybuilding in the last sort of year and a half to two years now. So all systems go at the moment. Mm-hmm. And where are you from, Jack? Are you like from the UK, of course? Yeah, so from the southwest of England, down in Western Supermare. Um, mm-hmm. Twenty. I'm coming up 22 next next week, and I currently work for EDF Energy full time as an electrical engineer. So. Mm. Interesting stuff, interesting stuff. I'm sure some viewers don't know that about you, um, and it's good that you know they get that idea. So yeah, cool. Um, so the reason I have Jack on the podcast today is not only because Jack is obviously a younger guy, so all these people that I'm talking to are going to be people that are coming from a background quite recently of just starting weight training, getting into... Uh, the gym and then also progressing into potentially competing this is what the audience wants to hear and this is why Jack is here so Jack's obviously a competitor and he's also been very very good at controlling his social media and gaining a following for something quite different and quite intricate which is something that we're going to be talking about on this episode so hang around because you'll surely learn something about how you can benefit um, from Jack's experiences and I'm sure that I'll learn a thing or two as well um, so yeah into our first topic and as usual we start with how did it all begin so I want to know how you basically got into the weight room Jack. <laughs> like most guys really uh, I hear it quite a bit where a lot of people who got into weightlifting, they start off quite skinny. Um, I was one of those one of those kids. So sort of throughout school, I was never sort of big built as such. Um, I was always quite skinny. Um, I played rugby and football in school, but always played in a position where I could sort of hide away from any tackle or immediate work because I wasn't one of the stronger guys. I was more fast and just skinny. So I'd never, I never really took much of an interest to weightlifting until I got to sort of my early college years. Uh, when most guys go to college, you see all the guys around and they have much bigger arms and big chests and bigger shoulders. And it's like, you kind of idolize it for a little bit and sort of think I need to be a bit bigger here. Otherwise I'm just going to get overlooked by everyone. Um, so yeah, that was when it was a bit of a light bulb moment that I wanted to sort of start to pack on a bit more muscle and get in the get in the weightlifting room. So it ticked over as a result of you seeing other people <coughs> and potentially wanting to up your game essentially in college life. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, I had I had a group of friends that we started out. We started doing a mixed martial arts. I think there was. Was it four of us that started doing it together? Four plus me. Um, and for the mixed martial arts, it did require to be a little bit bigger and be a bit more muscular because when you're sort of grappling and doing your kicks and punches, if you've got more power and strength behind you, it worked out a lot better when you were coming up against bigger opponents because we didn't just sort of practice against one another. We did fight against lads that were sort of a couple of years older much sure. bigger yeah. about six foot five and it was wow. a bit daunting at the time so if we were stronger then it was going to be a lot better for us yeah, yeah, yeah so what i would like to you to take us back to i think it'd be very interesting for me as well take us back to that first gym session so <laughs> talk us through it who did you go with what was the first exercise and was it love at first sight or? Well, it's quite funny because I think it it was me and my friends again. And I think the first exercise we did was 
seated seated um easy bar curls so we were sat on the bench we had no our warm-up. hands obviously down by our, by our thighs and then yeah. just curling from there with an easy bar oh, wow. and i think about that now and i just think that is so so rubbish so <laughs> but it was one of those things where we just got in did some curls did a bit of chest and shoulders there wasn't really much to it it was just basically just trying to get a pump trying to show that we knew what we were doing but <laughs> everything comes as you learn with the gym so yeah did you did you enjoy it did you yeah definitely yeah it was sort of nice to see like the arms like gradually grow as you were in the session yeah so I started I don't know a few veins there were there maybe when I was a bit younger but (laughs) um yeah it was good to sort of get in and get lifting it did feel good and you just felt good about yourself when you came out from the session that's just like if you do any sort of exercise you feel good after so Quite a, quite a nice feeling as well mm, for sure um so did you when you started you know you mentioned that you went with a group of friends did you go with them because they had more experience with like weight training at all did you have anyone that you looked up to in your gym that you asked questions and how did you how did you basically learn about how to go in the gym and lift yeah, well, after sort of a few few months in the college gym, I think I then joined my local gym down um, where, I, where I used to live. Okay. So started sort of going in there a bit more, training with a few 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 guys from my old school at the time. Um, basically, it wasn't really much to it. It was just it was the same as the college gym, but a bit more. I knew a bit more about it, so we were going in and doing like the typical sort of the the bro split as it's called. So. Yeah. We were going in and doing like a session on the chest, session on the shoulders, the arms and the back. The legs weren't really touched that much until a few years down the line. <laughs> I will hold my hands up and say that, but <laughs> but no, it just I I learned more sort of watching other people. And okay. I think saying that for younger people is I'd take that with a pinch of salt because you've kind of got to pick the people that you've got to watch. Yeah, You don't want to watch and sort of learn from someone in there who is doing it wrong. So I sort of looked up to the guys that have, that were very big and very muscular because if they are like that, then you kind of know they're doing something right. So Yeah, they're on the right track. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. So did you start, because I'm sure there's a lot of viewers that are listening that maybe listen to Jonah's podcast as well and Jonah started off very small very skinny now did you start off like on that end of the scale or were you on the chunkier side yeah definitely I definitely started off skinny um it was I was never sort of big through school I never really started to get heavy um until a few years down the line so I did put I put on a small amount of muscle and started sort of eating like tuna and rice and chicken and rice just trying to get a few more meals in, but never, never anything sort of pro- properly scheduled. I mean, okay. when we were at college, my nutrition was absolutely terrible. So I think I was at college till seventeen, till uh, I think it was eighteen or nineteen, possibly. Sure. Um, but it was so bad. I mean, in the morning for breakfast, we get us through a day. <laughs> oh God, you ready? Yeah, gone. <laughs> So I'd have my normal breakfast, obviously, in my house. So yeah. I think that was just a massive bowl of cereal. I think it was like four Weetabix coated in sugar. Um, <laughs> like sugar milk. Um, we'd get to college, we'd have like a bacon and sausage baguette. Yeah. Uh, with two hash browns with it as well, because it was like a meal deal, I think. I think oh, it was like wow. you get the bacon baguette and the hash browns for about three quid. Got to go for that. <laughs> um, usually then lunchtime it was because uh, we were students at the time we all had the nus cards mm-hmm. so once you go to mcdonald's and order your sort of big mac meal or your chicken legend meal you usually got like a free cheeseburger free with it yeah yeah some days i did alternate and got a mcflurry but you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah obviously a big mac fries thick shake obviously because most days yeah most wow. days um and then sort of got home from college and then just whatever my mum would cook for tea and then sort of something horrendous before bed as well wow. it wasn't I think it was a weight gainer possibly from bulk powders at the time oh. it was like 600 calories a shake Incredible. So, now yeah. did you 
did you like were you weighing in did you gain a lot of weight quite fast did you find that initially did you find you gained muscle quite fast so would you say you were quite a good responder to the weights room I'd say I was a responder in going up the weight okay uh, but I never I never sort of saw progression in myself okay um, I'm not sure whether that was just in my head or just something else but I never yeah I never saw much with regards to my actual physique so that's what sort of spurred me on to keep eating more yeah uh, which I wouldn't obviously recommend because now I look at it now obviously progression isn't it's never going to be quick Mm. you need to obviously take the time and sort of just keep keep practicing and doing your nutrition yeah and then sort of come over time but no I I never I, I saw more strength quicker than I saw saw actual physique but I think that's probably down to bad form actually getting a spot instead of actually going up in the weights interesting which is something I see a lot of nowadays in some of the gyms that I go into you see a lot of the younger guys they they are getting strong like I wish I was as strong as them at sort of 16 17 Um, obviously starting earlier into it but if you if your majority of your reps are from spots or if you're not doing the full sort of range of motion, really how fast is your progression going to be instead of doing it properly? So. Yeah, for sure. No, that's definitely a pro tip to take, you know, just under 10 minutes into the podcast. We've already got a pro tip and that's definitely <laughs> to, for you guys to bear, bear attention to the form that you're going to be using on exercises and, you know, making sure that you're getting the right advice from the right people when it comes to form and technique. Um, so yeah, really, really good point there, buddy. I think that, the next topic I really want to move on to and delve a bit deeper into would be the transition between you coming from the gym. So you were at the college gym, you were having the McDonald's every lunchtime. I'd like to know about the transition between that stage and the stage at which you know you decided to compete. So how long did that initial phase take for you to build the physique that you thought, yeah, okay, I'm ready to diet down and, and hop on a bodybuilding stage yeah. and some small trunks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some town as well. And some <laughs> um, but throughout college, it sort of stayed that stayed that format the whole way through. Um, not really too bothered about the nutrition and lifting side of it. I just lifted weights and enjoyed life through college. Nice. Um, which I would sort of recommend to a lot of a lot of kids coming up nowadays to just enjoy lifting before worrying about properly tracking nutrition. Um, obviously don't go mad, just sort of enjoy, enjoy your lifting years before, like for a good few years before you then get into it. Um, I would definitely say that. Eat protein, lift weight. Yeah, exactly. And then don't go overboard. So keep your cheat meals down to a minimum. Well, not too much anyway. But, um, so I didn't really sort of start, properly building my physique until I think I was I was 20 years old um I just started my apprenticeship with EDF um and in that first year um I'd taken back I'd taken back up MMA again okay. so when I was sort of home from traveling to and from London I would then go and train MMA um because I wasn't really too interested in lifting I sort of gave it up for an eight, eight to ten month period. Oh wow! Okay. I'm not. I'm not sure why. I just sort of found a bit of a, a, a love for the um, mixed martial arts side. Okay. Uh, I have a tendency to go from one extreme to the other, um, but I've always found my way back to lifting weights again. So, mm. <laughs> once the MMA then died off again, I sort of then properly got back into to lifting weights again. Um, I seek I seek that a personal trainer at the time. Because okay. I just got back off of holiday. Was he local? Uh, yeah, he was local. Yeah, he was local to me. Um, he competed in bodybuilding shows before as well. Okay. So yeah. that was also handy because uh, I knew sort of as I'd sort of been getting back into lifting, I knew that was what I wanted to do. Um, I'd sort of been researching. How did you find thing. out about bodybuilding? Like, did you know, how did you find out it was like an available sport for you to, because I don't even think that some people don't know what, bodybuilding is like I've got asked the question a few times about what I lifted when I competed in a bodybuilding show like they think it's what I lift in the gym type yeah thing. They <laughs> don't quite correlate that bodybuilding is not powerlifting mm. and or weightlifting 
So how did you find out about bodybuilding and that it was a sport that you could compete in and that you'd be uh, comfortable competing in? I think, I, obviously I knew a little bit about it, but I, I think everyone's watched Pumping Iron, haven't they? Ah, okay, yeah, so cool. It was, I think it was quite spurred along from that because I watched that a few times in like one week and I just thought, this is really weird, but I want to give this a go. <laughs> I saw all the guys on stage and it was just like, I want to give this a shot. I think I can do it. But obviously, I did know at the time they weren't natural and it was obviously um, an untested sort of competition that those guys were competing in. So I started to research a bit more mm-hmm. into the natural federations because I started, I know about like the Mr. Olympia competitions. Um, I sort of aspired to like, at the time it was like Jay Cutler. It was just like, yeah, I can get a Were those the guys you saw first? <laughs> Was it Jay Cutler? Yeah, was it, it was sort of your mainstreams nice. like the Jay Cutler, the Phil Heath, the Very Ronnie the Coleman. Same, yeah. I used to just endlessly watch YouTube videos of uh, Ronnie Coleman deadlifting and doing front squats of a thousand pounds. So, yeah. did you ever <laughs> yeah. buy Flex magazine as a? Yeah. No, I didn't actually. Ah, no, I, I used Flex to have magazine. that every month, and <laughs> I was convinced Phil Heath was natural. But, <laughs> anyways. You so, so you continued on and you so so you found out about bodybuilding through like pumping iron things like that so mm. more of the unnatural side of things yeah now so you've met this pt uh what was what what changed when you met the pt was it your training or new or your nutrition and what did you learn as a result um everything really um i went from going to do like a an unprogressive program so mm. not really uh, sort of training to any sort of format or anything so I started doing an actual scheduled routine with progressive overload and everything else like that nice. um, I followed a diet plan as well which was sort of set to my calorie goals for bulking nice. so I think at the time it was about 3,000 calories okay. um, like normal protein fats and carbs macros mm. but um, sort of once I'd finished I think it was 12 weeks with them I then went on to sort of start doing it a bit more myself um, okay. but I got into a habit of where I was weighing on the scales and if I wasn't going up like a few pound or like, like at least in a week a few pound then I got quite upset and started adding more food into my diet so I think because this was in the later stages of my apprenticeship I stopped started training down in London where I was staying and also back at home as well so traveling back and forth just yeah just eat we're not we we did stay down in London for the sort of the week but then we come back on the Friday have the weekend and go back again but it got to a stage where I think I was smashing at least like 500 grams of protein a day um that must have been so expensive yeah yeah Yeah. definitely 100 percent it wasn't too bad because with the apprenticeship we got sort of our expenses back and I think oh, if really? we didn't do that I'd definitely be so skinned because oh, really? <laughs> okay. like most of my protein sources come from sort of full eggs, yogurts, chicken, it was pretty bro. Um, yeah, yeah. When I was sort of back home I was eating I think in the, in the morning it was about six eggs, oats. Um, I did that, I did the whole, whole eggs thing. And then I think my half turn and like half two meals was like a whole pack of mince meat and rice with this is so bad I used to take um olive oil with me in my iso bag <laughs> oh my God. like a, an olive oil thing about that big and I think I'd used it up in a week because instead of ketchup I used olive oil as my dressing Oh my that, god! Think about it now. That is so bad. Oh wow! It, it was so dry. It was like <laughs> olive oil on it. And that's we're cool. really, we're really finding out the caloric intake of your oh, previous gaining phase. God, that, that, that's so bad. Wow! <laughs> but luckily, it's more that, like this. More like I'm just imagining the quantity of a whole mm. packet of mints in a Tupperware, mm. and. Were you were you convinced at this point that like putting ketchup or anything tasty on it would would sacrifice your muscle gains or obviously obviously okay cool. yeah. what about vegetables and fruits doesn't sound like there are a lot of them Not no really. 
no, not at all. That's there wasn't shame. much room for vegetables the and stuff. The digestive tract so. must have been an interesting place to be, <laughs> to be living. <laughs> no, it wasn't a friendly Absolutely French dive, horrendous. Mm, it wasn't good, but obviously, apart from those meals as well, there was weight gainers and like I think before bed because I was so stuffed from force feeding <laughs> during the day. It was just a slice of peanut butter and jam on toast because I just physically could not fit anything else in. Nice. But <laughs> a few months down the line, a few months doing that, I got to, I think, January 2015. Um, yeah. I went from 12 and a half stone to 14 stone um, in the space of about six months. And I was maintaining on about 5,000 calories, but I was pretty big as yeah. in... Yeah, you had like, a high body fat. I mean, on my Instagram, I put like a couple throwback Thursdays of... Uh, how yes. um, how the chub days were so mm. they're on there if you ever want to see them and look at my fluffy face <laughs> they that was... it's interesting you know because i want to just quickly really quickly t- touch on this because this is an interesting discussion about when you are young i almost think that there is some merit now, don't like take me on this because obviously there's there's an element of you don't want to get too far out of shape, but I almost think there's some merit in getting almost a bit out of shape when you're younger, because if okay, so I just put a picture on my Instagram. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will have Instagram, so I just put a picture of what I'm considering the top end of the conditioning I'd like to be at in a gaining phase. I'm currently 167 pounds, so 167. At the peak of my gaining phase before my first show in 2014, I was 188 pounds, Mm -hmm. so I was 20 pounds heavier. And I almost think that I put on the majority, like even though my training probably wasn't in check, I think I put on the majority of my tissue as a result of just staying in a decent surplus yeah, and almost just getting a little, just pushing the set point a little bit higher, mm-hmm. not to the point where you're actually, you know, considered overweight, but to the point where you, you know, you pr- probably don't have abs and things like this. So I think, you know, for teenagers and younger people, it's like almost you've got to sacrifice just the aesthetically pleasing elements yeah. of staying a bit leaner for the fact that you can, potentially build a lot of Gain a lot of muscle i'd say that i've got a lot of people asking me that lately they're about sort of they're around the 17 18 mark and you're you're in your prime yeah. as it's as it says you're you're in like a real muscle building prime yeah. so why not just sacrifice the abs and just build some good quality muscle just give it a year or two years just to really sort of build on your physique and then cut from there just be because patient you'll be miles further ahead than the rest when you look a lot bigger and leaner when you do come to cut. Yeah, they may have abs now, but they won't have sort of your sort of bigger chest, or bigger arms. So yeah. I definitely think like what you said, push it, it a bit further. It's a really further. interesting topic. And mm. I know that there's people out there that we know um, that get a little bit heavier in the off-season and come back to a bodybuilding stage or through a fat loss phase and they look insane you know they mm. look like they've put on a good amount of tissue and you almost think you almost look at them and like uh, are they defying science like why yeah. are they going so far above what's optimal mm. where they're coming back down and looking much improved yeah it's that so, gap between the prep and then prepping again mm. really only probably got a the, if you're like doing it in the October and then prepping it in February, you've only got like a sort of five month gap before for building muscle and then prepping again. So, yeah, like sure. you said, if you're having a full year off, you're gonna put on a lot of tissue. So, yeah. interesting, cool topics. And I think before we go too in depth on one, <laughs> we're gonna move on to our next thing. So, Jack had a very successful year last year. We've talked about how Jack has found out about natural bodybuilding so now i'd like to sort of touch on what happened and how you initially started in 2015 so i think we've got up to january 2015 already so what happened in january 15 to for you to realize that okay now's the time i'm ready what was sort of that turning point and 
what happened in order for you to say, yep, I'm ready, let's go? Yeah, I I didn't really have like a turning point for like weight or anything to say I need to get to this goal weight and cut. I just knew I was pretty, over, not overweight, but I was pretty chubby, fluffy now, ready to oh, okay. start cutting. Yeah. Um, and I knew, I think, eight, I, I had a look on some articles before I started. Um, I think it was Lane Norton's article on um, bodybuilding.com, which um, was how to start a cut. And I sort of planned my cut around that, really. Uh, so I sort of gave myself 18 weeks, as it sort of said in the article, mm-hmm. to give myself enough time to get on stage and get competing. Uh, so I sort of started to research a bit more. Uh, Eric Helms, Alberto Nunes, basically all the 3D muscle journey guys. Nice. Um, there was a couple... Someone in my gym as well at the time who had competed in the Natural Physique Association a few years back, okay. um, and he'd actually won the British Championships as well. So oh, wow. to have him for advice the whole way through my prep um, was great. I mean, I used to message him all the time, asking him sort of specifics on this, that, and the other. Uh, so it definitely helped with the cut. Uh, so I think I gave myself eighteen weeks, and. I went from I think it was 14 stone to it must have been 11 one so I did drop about two stone 13 pounds something like that so yeah. but that was pretty tough it was it wasn't too bad doing it myself I'd made a lot of mistakes but I learned from them okay what mistakes did you make do you think in your first time preparing for a show what were um, I'd definitely say my top two was cutting calories low too early Okay. So I went from maintaining from about four and a half thousand calories to then I dropped straight. I think I dropped straight to about three thousand three hundred. What um, would you so, have done instead? Like in hindsight, if you'd have started again, how would you have started the cut? Well, I think giving myself eighteen weeks is quite a long time. So I probably would have only dropped about five hundred calories off and just went from there. Yeah. I was never really monitoring scale weight either, um, but oh. I do now. So I could have then at least seen body fluctuations and if I was actually losing weight instead of sort of jumping on the scales once every few weeks just to see if I was different. Were you but, monitoring the mirror more than the scales? Yeah, definitely. Oh. monitored the mirror quite a bit. I sort of stood in the same position, same lighting and just sort of did the same couple poses over and over and analysed it on a sort of fortnightly basis. With pictures? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. pictures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And what was the second? Um, what second was the second mistake was uh, my cardio. I just I put in way too much, way too early. Um, I only sort of found out on my second prep that cardio was more of a tool yeah. instead of a necessity. Um, sorry, that didn't make sense. It, it was just a tool. Um, yeah. I used it as a necessity instead. So, oh, okay. like, I immediately put cardio in. Um, I think I was doing about three hit sessions and like three steady states. Just straight off the bat? Yeah, not straight off the bat over a course of the period, but it was just, it was more random cardio than structured. Okay. Um, It was like I'd suddenly go for a half an hour run one day and then go do some ropes and then maybe do on a rower. So the cardio actually itself, it wasn't consistent as the second prep was, so... I, I learned a lot from my mistakes, basically. That's the best way to say it. So yeah, use cardio sure. as a tool, I'd say, definitely. If you're, if you're still losing weight and you're on a comfortable amount of calories, then cardio isn't really required until you sort of feel you're getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. What would you find? Because obviously you came up to the first show, so the qualifier, and you did fairly well at the qualifier. I think you were very, very happy with where you placed and you know, everything like that. So what would you say were the two things you most enjoyed about that process? Like, which parts of it did you think, okay, yeah, this is this is it, like, bodybuilding's for me? Because obviously now, like I'm speaking to you now, I know you very well. I know for a fact that you love bodybuilding and you want to do this and you want to move into the future and potentially become a pro. So what, you know, what really... Th- hit you hard that you were like yeah this is something that I really love I think it was the ability to transform my physique into something that I'd never seen before um, because I've, I'd have i always said to myself years back I'd never have abs and then suddenly I had abs 
Yeah. I'd never have like quads with separation and it did. So it was just more proving myself wrong. And it was, uh, it was more about actually learning about myself and about another topic, which I was always interested in. I mean, I've learned a hell of a lot over these last year and a half about bodybuilding, nutrition, the science behind it. I've just, I think that's my main sort of the reason why I've carried on doing it because it's just a constant learning process. And I can sort of, I can hold a conversation with someone about bodybuilding for hours. Yeah, um, same, same, same. It's it's just something that I love talking about and I love yeah. doing. So, and I think that will never go away. So, yeah, I think you can, you can like if you're ever looking up for someone that loves bodybuilding as well, you can tell because yeah, I've had so many conversations with people that say they like bodybuilding, and I start talking about it, and I can tell their faces just slowly turning to like <laughs> yeah, and I'm like yeah, you don't love bodybuilding. Yeah. Like the people that love it, like they just. They're just back and forth. Mm. I've had it's, so many conversations. That it's weird how you like. I've got a couple of friends that you can talk about macros with for like a straight two hours. I don't know how. I don't know what <laughs> leads on to what, but it's I think so you weird. just end up talking about how much fat is in a Mars bar to a Mars protein bar in the end. So, irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. But <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's really really good. Those two points really. I I both agree. I agree with both of them, and. I think that if anyone wants to start bodybuilding prep, then I'd say you just got to be doing it for yourself. Both of the things that you mentioned there are both just relative to yourself, which I think is really important because um, you didn't really mention like, oh, um, it was the trophy or it was like, it was the, you know, the likes on Instagram that I got on my picture afterwards. It's nothing like external it's all internal factors that are influencing your decision making when it comes to you saying that bodybuilding is something you enjoy and i think that's so important because people do it for the wrong reasons i've I've seen it more often than not that people are getting into the sport as a result of wanting uh, a certain status or on some on instagram or yeah you know a certain but like competitive bodybuilder next to your tag you should want you you should want to be doing it. You shouldn't just want to put it just for a tag. That's where you the success should. comes, isn't it? Yeah. Seriously, like, if you want to be successful, you want to win shows or even place, you've got to want it, like, really, really badly. You've got to want it. Yeah. And you don't do, do 18 weeks of prep to not want to win. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Totally agree. Cool. So you've done your first show. What was the experience like? Like for the actual day itself, on the the first one itself, how how did you feel? Was there anything that you thought that you were uncomfortable with? Describe it. Like, how was it? Um, it it wasn't too bad actually. It was because I obviously I'd never known what to expect. I got a lot of information from Matt, who was the MPA champion in my gym, about what to expect. So I I had a lot of nerves calmed pre going into it because he helped me with sort of the tanning the tanning tricks um posing in the gym i mean every sort of quite last detail like even like the pump up it was very sort of he helped me a lot with and calmed my nerves so nice. I, I went into the day obviously not knowing what to expect just but just went with the flow mm-hmm. um and it's amazing the friends you can meet as well um yeah. when you're in the pump up room no one's really your friend until you sort of finished and go, oh, mate, that was knackering, wasn't it? Yeah. I love <laughs> um, that. I love that bit. That's yeah, best. so it's it's definitely quite nice once you finish competing to then sort of start talking to everyone and you sort of make friends forever, really. Mm-hmm. Def- I'd definitely say that. It's good if you ever want to make friends, get into the sport, if obviously if you like that as well. The best thing about it, people think that it's all... You know, flexing and pushing people out of the way. There are people like that, and you will yeah. meet some. There will be one or two out there that are just maybe not so nice and just want to be there, get home, and say that they've won type thing. Mm. But the majority are so nice. Yeah, that's definitely. one of the things that really, really made me fall in love with the sport. Was the first time that I went to a BNBF show, and I know that you went to MPA, BNBF MPA are all lovely, lovely shows and you'll just meet some incredibly nice people backstage. Yeah. Incredibly nice people that are just running the show as well because they love yeah, it as well. Yeah, so that goes into it really. Everything like the trophies, the photos. Yeah. I mean, the photos that like, come out, they're top class. So 
but the whole day itself it's all built for the athletes yeah, um, for sure. and it's yeah it's good so after your first show you came second and you what happened as a result of you coming second did you get did you get something what was <laughs> yeah, it? got a nice trophy yeah um and i got a british finals invite as well yeah. which i think the top three got it at the time they got british finals invite which um i was just surprised to get into the top three okay. um let alone get the invite as well um so it was nice to sort of <clears throat> add the touch onto the 18 weeks of prep and to get a, sure. get the chance to do another 20 weeks of prep. <laughs> ah, I see. That's the question I was literally about to ask. Yeah. So 20 weeks was the gap between um, the first so one? Yeah, I went on holiday the week after. Okay. I think I gained about, well, I gained about two days post-show, I gained about £10. Um, wow. Came back from holiday the same weight. Okay. So I didn't I, rest, I didn't restrict myself on holiday. Yeah. I just used like a plan and sort of said to myself, don't overeat and then yeah. come back a, a normal weight because I did know I wanted to compete. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's also a thing as well. If you're ever going to compete, try not to organise a holiday the day after because it would just end in turmoil. Yeah, especially, <laughs> especially not all-inclusive. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, shout out to a certain person who did that. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, no jokes, no no harsh things intended on the Team Muscle Radio podcast. So you came back from holiday and you had however many weeks left of prep and you decided that what, what was the deciding factor, because I know something else happened as well, what was the deciding yeah. factor? You obviously wanted to get leaner and do well at the British finals, yeah. so what so, happened as a result of that? I knew I could get leaner, so I sort of, I throughout my first prep, I'd been following um, Tom Mack for a long time on his Instagram and Facebook, Yeah. Um, because it was a lot of motivation for my first prep, he had a lot of good things on his Instagram about dieting, sort of volume foods, which is crucial when you're prepping. Yeah different things and he actually helped me with my peak week as well um i sent him a few messages and he didn't obviously have to respond but he did i've seen seen that initial comment you made on one of his photos about peak week and i'm imagining that's where the the communication started yeah yeah. because um i did message him then he private messaged me and just sort of we went through quite a bit together so i was worried about water loading and vitamin c and all that yeah he sort of just said it's all nonsense. So, but yeah, we we sort of went for it and talked for it. Um, so I knew Tom obviously was obviously a good coach at the time. So I did um, I did choose Tom to coach me for the next twenty weeks of um, my prep, um, which I'd sort of definitely recommend to anyone who is competing to definitely get a coach. Um, it's the second eye to look into you. It's someone to tell you if you're lean enough if you're not lean enough someone to sort of actually make make you realize that if you're not lean enough or you're not ready he yeah. will help get you there so mm. um so yeah i think for the first six to eight weeks we reverse dieted so from my stage up. up yeah so Sorry. sort of it was basically bringing up just carbs and fats um okay. And we brought that up by quite a bit, um, and I actually dropped weight in the same time. So nice. we started. I think we did a six to eight reverse diet. Lost all the holiday post post weight gain. Mm-hmm. Dropped some more few pounds as well. So I started off a lot leaner. Um, so it was in such a good place already on yeah. higher food. I think I was on one cardio session as well. Wow. We were really doing, and I think it was only four gym sessions a week. So we we weren't really doing a great deal which was good for me because it was a bit of relaxing time after the previous 18 weeks that had just gone. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the whole way through prep, Tom was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped me with the macros when I needed to take them down through peak yeah. week on my nerves, everything. And um, it paid off on show day because that was when I took third in the novice British finals, which yeah. um, I was bloody over the moon with. It was my first year and I'm as well happy so yeah for sure a question that I'd like to ask is do you think you'd ever be able to do a contest preparation on your own without a coach it's a difficult one um I know Matt Ogus has just done his and he yeah. turned out all right but obviously as he's gained the knowledge over the years from the 3d muscle journey guys and he's been able to take that onto his own his own knowledge but I still think I would definitely have a coach yeah just just for accountability to myself, um, someone to look into you to say if you're lean enough or not. 
Um, and it takes the it takes your edge away from being worried about yourself. You don't have to endlessly search links and articles on uh, like YouTube and Google to what you're going to change your macros to next, what cardio you should be doing. Yeah. You get told to do what you're doing, you do it, you get leaner. I and think... I think I think that's a very good point. I think for most initial competitors, you know, when I did my first show, I had a coach, and I think it's very, very beneficial for you to learn the process prior to even considering doing it yourself. And you know, in 2015, I was very worried that I wouldn't be able to do it myself. However, I think I'm on the opposite end of the scale to you. I think I could, I, I'd struggle to do it with a coach, purely yeah. because I think I'd be always thinking about wait I do that differently I do this I want to do this and I suck at being told what to do I know (laughs) that for a fact so I know that actually having someone tell me what to do would stress me out more than me messing it up however (laughs) I do think that and a shout out to uh, Ant Sidrick and Harry Johnson who received many a uh, half-naked photo <laughs> because I think it's very integral to have someone give you a second eye yes definitely because yeah. at, at quite a few stages in my bodybuilding preps I had a severe case of prep brain mm. where you think you're not lean enough I've got friends compete like heading to shows at, at the moment that are very close and they're you know I'm not lean enough I'm not this I'm not that so I think for younger competitors and teens out there that are listening to this, it would be beneficial for you at least to have a source for you to go to to say, look, here's my photos for this week. This is my weight. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Because that is going to really chill you out and yeah. hopefully send you in the right direction. Um, you, I think you learn as well having the coach. Um, yes. Tom taught me so much about the nutrition and diet and training. Um, mm. I think that was the first time I'd ever done an upper lower split yeah. was when Tom put me on that program. And I just learned so much in the past six months than I'd ever learned in my whole sort of career of doing lifting weights and eating obviously the foods. So. Yeah. Awesome. Some definite pro tips there and a really good in- insight into your experiences in 2015. So that's awesome. So moving on to our final topic today, so if you've been listening for this long, then thank you very much for hanging around, and this topic is definitely worth a listen. So I'd like to speak to Jack, and I'd like to ask you more about how Instagram and how social media has sort of, how have you grown so quickly, and how would you recommend that you know teenagers that are looking to use Instagram and things like that to potentially, you know, create products or um, even monetize Instagram to an extent. Uh, so, what is Instagram for you, and how has it influenced things that are going on in your life at the moment? Just eat Reese's cups and put them on Instagram. It'll grow your following by a thousand a week. <laughs> no, um, in all serious, I think by Instagram when I did my prep for the second show. Um, it wasn't it wasn't big at all. Um, I didn't really put much attention to it. I still that was when I sort of properly started doing if it fits your macros with yeah. Tom um, and started putting a few pictures on Instagram and stuff. I didn't really put any selfies on or how anything. Much, sorry to interrupt. How much did your Instagram grow from now? Uh, sorry, from like when you start because I remember you had like under a thousand followers. I remember yeah, it was, when you messaged it was me. The like, end yeah. of, it was the end of my show, so it was October to now. Um, I think I had about it must have been about seven, six hundred followers yeah. come up because before October. Christmas, I swear you, yeah, had, definitely you just took um, over a thousand or something. And I think it, it's now at about eight. Is that eight thousand something? Yeah. I, Heading I towards ten k, which is a yeah. very and I'd like to add that Jack doesn't do the whole follow everyone and they follow you back type thing. Jack's got basically Jack has built a natural following through Instagram, which is something that's actually really difficult to do. So hence why we're doing a whole topic on it is because he's grown a very raw, very real Instagram following because you can tell by the level of engagement on his photos. There's a lot of comments, there's a lot of people that are asking him for recipes, 
lot of people that are asking him for training and nutrition advice, which is actually very beneficial for Jack to potentially monetize things in the future. So yeah, describe like how what Instagram is for you and like how how like you obviously enjoy doing it, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, it it really sort of started obviously at the end of the second prep. Once I finished the show, um, I sort of started to. As I was bulking, macros were a bit higher, so I sort of started to have fun with food. That was basically what it sort of came about. I started making quite big, like, flex bowls and, like, pancakes, nice meals, and sort of taking a decent photo of it and then put it up on Instagram. And with Instagram, it comes with the type of hashtags you use, whether people see it. Um, if you're not using a popular hashtag, you're, the people won't see it, and it will just get put to the bottom of the list. And if like your follow and if that photo gets like a decent amount of comments on, a good amount of likes, it then sort of goes straight to the top of the hashtag list yeah. on like the most popular postings. And that's I think where you can build a real good following because it stays up there for a good day or two. Um and it all depends on the type of content you put out. I mean, I started to put out a lot of fitness tips, so I was quite into sort of writing about prep and how to sort of monitor the weighing scales how carbohydrates are good for you and just sort of using a lot of my photos from prep which i'd never released during that time um as like the photo the main photo having like a massive thing underneath about the the fitness topic that i had chose at that time yeah um and also alongside that i started to practice uh flexible dieting quite a bit yes. I'd like <laughs> um, to I'd like to touch on that really quickly about yeah. I want to ask you how you've dealt with haters on Instagram because I know there was a specific moment in time where there was actually like a whole uh, whole Facebook post almost dedicated to the fact that you were eating the wrong things how do you deal with someone I'm imagining that you get comments and maybe messages on a regular basis asking yeah, I, you why yeah, you're eating like, this and why you're eating Every that. few days asking how I eat these type of foods and um, how I eat them and stay lean and stuff like that. But yeah. I, it, a lot of it, I, I, a few few months back, I did like a full day of eating to show my whole day of what I eat because I really I'm not going to post every meal because it's not that interesting. I'm only going to post like, the most interesting meal of the day, which is usually my last meal before I go to bed. Um, and it, I think it, they get a lot of hate on it because it's, it looks bad. It looks worse than what it is. I mean, it's quite easy to make a tower of rice cakes or a tower of pancakes, which is made out of whey protein, oats, um, almond milk, and then top it with some sort of strawberry sauce and a few bits of chocolate and then people go how do you eat that and stay lean because it's got chocolate on it yeah but obviously it comes to that age old question of staying in within your calories making sure you hit fiber macros yeah. micros um before before sort of any sort any treat or anything is added into the day i know that i'm going to hit my fiber i'm going to make sure i have at least five to six portions of fruit and veg um, and all my micros are going to be hit as well. So than, I think more than you had when you were a bro as well. Which exactly. Is funny. Yeah. Exactly. You're that. actually eating and healthier now than when yeah. you had four Tupperwares full of mm -hmm. olive oil, which is clean, of course, clean, and rice and a whole packet of mint. Mm -hmm. So if anything, your body itself is probably in a healthier yeah. position now. So I'm stronger now. I'm sort of leaner now and bigger now, eating mm -hmm. the foods I am. Practicing flexible dieting, making sure I eat the fruits and the veggies and the quote-unquote bro foods as well. Yes. And I'm stronger as well. So I can still, I can squat the same as what I could at 190 pounds and now I'm at 175, 176. So it just proves that it does work. You just need to try it instead of sort of slating something before actually doing it give it a go and see yeah. if it works a lot of a lot of these people a lot of the people that really don't like if it's your macros or a flexible approach have not tried it and that's no. what i don't get is because if someone i and we've had this chat before if someone offered me on a plate and said you know what aj if you eat like a if you eat like a bro if you eat like this and your your results will be better i can guarantee you it i've got a study here 
Here's the study that proves that this is way better, way more optimal than what you're doing currently. I'd happily do whatever it takes to either optimize muscle building or present a better look physique on stage. As yep. long as it wasn't sacrificing anything massive in my life, I'd mm-hmm. still do it. Why? Yep. Because I really care about bodybuilding and how I do um, to the point that I'm I'm sort of willing, uh, I'm all about balance and stuff, but I'm willing to sacrifice things yeah, that yeah, other people might not want to sacrifice. I think a lot of people get racked up in the fact that everything's got such high sugar in and basically sugar is the enemy, you shouldn't have any. But really what it comes down to is like if you're in a calorie deficit and all your and if you're eating a lot of sugar, you're still gonna start losing weight. There's no end about it. I mean, even if you're having a real sugary meal which has fats and proteins combined with it, it's still gonna slow down that digestion process. Um, and won't really spike insulin as quick as it would that's do. The whole topic, but that's a whole other topic, yeah, I think. So. It's just almost worth a whole podcast yeah. uh, to clear up that one. But it's nice to see that you know you're able to explain that in a very adult way, and uh, also describe how people can definitely deal with any issues that people might sort of ask them when it comes to flexible dieting because I know that a lot of my clients especially ones that are preparing for bodybuilding shows I've had people you know talk to me in check-ins about how they've been on their lunch break they've got a Mars bar or a packet of I remember even myself but yeah, they've got a Mars bar and a packet of like sweets or something, or a packet of sweets with them, and they're eating them. And then people are like, "Wait, aren't you dieting for a bodybuilding show? Yeah, yeah, like, why, aren't you dieting? Why? Shouldn't you be restraining yeah, yourself? You're not allowed that." And they <laughs> suddenly to, think that they're a bloody, you know, bodybuilding prep coach. I used to come in from um, the kitchen when I was prepping, and my girlfriend, I'd have this bowl which was, it looked so bad and like, yeah. just looked like a diabetes nightmare, but it was, I think it was massive amount of yogurt at the bottom, cereal, a couple like ice cream wafers, bit of ice cream on the top and then like strawberry sauce, but really the only bad thing in it is a bit of ice cream, yeah. well, bad. bad, but they sort of look at you and think, are you not supposed to be dieting, why aren't yeah. you dieting, but yeah. um, I mean, she's following flexible dieting and uh, she's doing the same, so she understands. Just- People people think that bodybuilding, they've got this age-old old idea about routine structure, meals, prep, packets, Tupperware, you know, so anything out of the ordinary, I know even when I don't, like, even when I have oats and I have something different, my mum will go, wait, are you having that? Like, is that yours? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just trying a new ice cream. It's a Snickers bar. It's a Snickers protein bar. Just a new thing that I'm having a try of. It still hits my calories. So, you know, it's things like that that I think people just maybe are a little bit not so clued up on. But it's it's something that everyone will find out eventually. And I think one one day or another people will i think there's more people transitioning over to flexible dieting uh, which is awesome and yeah. that's all a good thing so if you haven't already then feel f- then obviously open your eyes yeah. feel free to we'll leave contact details for me and jack below so if you do have any questions about flexible dieting or how you can implement it then we will leave like contact details below so you can shoot us an email at any point or contact us on any social media and and we'll happily answer a question for you so yeah jack obviously we're coming to quite the end of this podcast we're about 50 minutes in so i'd like to sort of round up with basically what are your goals and what does the future look like for Jack, Gad, and give us an insight as to what you want to achieve over the next time period. Okay, so I'm not going to be competing again until 2018 now. Um, I will be honest, competing last year, put a massive strain on sort of my body, my sort of my weightlifting and everything else. Um, and I sort of felt it was a bit harsh on the girlfriend as well to compete again next year because you do, you go cover zombie and you have to change your meals about because it doesn't fit your macros and different things like that. I just wanted a full two years off to gain some good muscle, um, come back 2018 a lot, lot bigger um, and uh, leaner if not than last time. So, but yeah, that's that's the competing plans. Um, With regards to like sort of the 
Instagram side of it. Um, I've built up my following now quite a bit. Yeah. Um, to, I've always been interested in supplements. So, over like the course of prepping, I tried about a million protein bars, whey protein products, like pre-workout powders, mm. um, and I sort of built a business around it, which is in its um, very near startup stages. It should hopefully be coming out in the next week um it's just going through its website design phase now um it's called Subsbox. so what it is it's a subscription box company so every month if you subscribe you get sent out 10 plus samples of like the newest sort of products on the market okay so like grenade brought out a new 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 brand of carb killer that probably most likely have the carb killer featured in it um, probably look to do the Mars Snickers protein bar at that point. Um, and it's all sort of the sample sachets. So mm-hmm. I've, I've not sure if you've had this problem before, but when I've sort of bought whey protein products from different companies, I've bought like a large bag of like two a and a half yeah. day, Um, and it tastes sometimes just like utter rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for pre-workout powder. You buy a whole tub and you find it has no effect on you how many scoops you take. Yeah. So the products, because I've been around the industry for a little while now, for a couple of years, and I've known the products that are on the market, I can sort of handpick them, the best ones to go in the box. So no one's sort of going to get like a Duff product, which won't be recommended by me. Um, mm, sure. That's that's the sort of the business goal behind it. Um, so with that, you also get. Uh, a recipe of the month included in the in the leaf in the in the leaf that comes in the box as well. Nice. So it'll be like a recipe created by me. Like it might be like a protein pancake. It might be like a just a simple mug cake. Mm. Simple things that people may not know about, um, which just can be quite quite useful. That's cool. That's uh, unique for sure. And also on the Instagram page and Facebook pages, there'll be lots of fitness tips going up. Just like short image fitness tips. Um, which can sort of help and if anyone needs any questions answering about the actual business itself and uh, launch dates or anything then just pop me a message on either my personal or the business page itself so I'd be more happy to answer but yeah really looking forward to starting that and hoping it then leads on to something else in the future so brilliant awesome they sound like some wicked goals and I'm just thinking I'm sat here now I'm thinking how cool it will be to look back at this podcast episode in a year or two time and yeah. think how far Supsbox has come because I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm pumped and mm-hmm. I know that it's definitely going to be a successful thing so yeah. um, it's it weird because be- I've already like since starting it I've already got a few more ideas brewing as well so it's sort of it's ignited a fire in me um, nice. from loads of different people um, that's the good thing about bodybuilding it's a very positive sport mm. And then it can relay in your other areas of life, like the consistency, and you've got all the friends around you to help as well. So it's um, definitely a great sport to get into. Yeah, for sure. Good man. So I'd like to obviously let you have a chance to tell all the viewers where they can find you, where they can follow you. And so basically give all your details away in terms of Facebook pages, Instagram account. I'm not sure if you're on Snapchat or Twitter or anything like that, just shoot, fire them away and then people can find them and I'll, I'll basically put the links in the yeah, description. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, well. I've got my um, my personal Instagram page, which is JackGadFitness, um, okay. and the actual business page for Subsbox, which is just Subsbox, which is S-U-P-S Box. Okay. Um, the logo is a black logo with white writing in the middle, so it's quite simple to find. Um, and then it's the same for Facebook as well. I haven't got a sports page on Facebook. I've just got my personal one, which is just Jack Gad. Cool. And I think the photo is me posing in some changing rooms. <laughs> and the then it's the same for Subsbox. I'm not really most active on Snapchat and Twitter. I don't actually have a Twitter account, but it's okay. something I probably will look at getting cool. up into the future. Um, and possibly the Snapchat more as well. That would be yeah. good to get into. It's just a phone battery dies in about five seconds as soon as I start using Snapchat, which I'm sure you know, know. the problem anyway. Yeah, it does. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jack. I'd like to add at the end of this podcast that this is actually the third or fourth time that me and Jack have tried to record this. <laughs> so if you've hung about, thank you mm. for one. 
And also thank you very, very much to Jack for being so patient and hanging around for this because My pleasure, man. last night was not the fun, the most fun of evenings trying to connect to Wi-Fi and record this for you guys. Um, so yeah, but we've done it. We're going to upload this and I will see you guys back for episode four. But for now, I'll let Jack check out and then we'll end things. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. No worries. See you later. Bye. Yeah.